Welcome to episode 88 of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Richie Buzzkill, and I'm here with my inimitable co-hosts uh, over the internet this time, uh, Brendan Carrion. How are you doing, Brendan? What up, bud? I'm in a, uh, I'm in a recording here. <laughs> best kind of yurt is recording yurt, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you're trying to escape the elements or like, um, you know horde raiders or something probably there's other kinds of yurts you would want but for recording purposes then yes right and uh <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh and ashley we got yeah. ashley here today how are you doing hello ashley? i'm doing fantastic i am not in a yurt i am in a giant closet so yes but i'm recording on the interwebs with you guys so should be fun that fucking closet sounding dope yo you sound great in that closet i gotta say Great. Wish I had a closet instead of a yurt. You have yeah. A- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a yurt can be a closet if you really believe in it. Just fold some clothes in it, and it's <laughs> boom, closet. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, and I've got the uh, the shades drawn and the fan off, and in the most darkness I can get right now. Uh, so in the ca- Chateau de Buzzkill. Mm. Um, Does the darkness help with like like a? I don't know what an aesthetic would be, but with words and sounds. It's well, no, it's it's just setting that late night uh, disc jockey uh, mood. Like, welcome to gotcha. The, welcome Word. to the, the late night with uh, Full Metal RPG. Wow, <laughs> nice, nice. I feel like I should be paying two ninety nine a minute for this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> to so, my credit card, build is Ashley's plant store. Well, don't forget Damn the forty nine ninety five uh, fee first, and then three dollars a minute after that. Oh okay. yeah, right, right. You need that initial fee for sure. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, yep. those under eighteen, ask your parents. all right joe biden this has gotten weird oh no this uh, this show uh this episode of full metal rpg is sponsored by aaron cordell cordial cordial Cordial, man Uh, aaron cordial the homie what up bud yeah uh is a longtime friend of the show and has gotten to know him over the years through his uh instagram posts and his questions he's written thank you aaron for your support over the years and everything you've done for the show it wouldn't be the same without you additionally many thanks go out to all of our patrons who make full metal rpg possible as well for as little as a dollar a month you can help grow the show you hate to love and love to hate uh if you would like to buy us a drink, please consider us supporting us on Patreon. And now, it's time for the Black Hole. The Black Hole! Yes. I love the Black Hole. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the best. We're going to uh, talk about what we're into in the role-playing space. Uh, and uh, we're going to have what what we're enjoying right now in our solitude and our quarantines. So, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan? What have you been uh, working on lately? Oh, homie, I um, picked up uh, this game called Esoteric Enterprises from uh, Exalted Funeral's uh, March Badness Sale. And uh, it was right when things were starting to get kind of a little bit choppy. And I was like, shit, is this going to come in the mail or is like society going to like cease to exist before it arrives? But it arrived. And, uh, dude, this game is great, man. It's uh, it's kind of a strange like concept because the way it presents itself is being um, – 
like uh like osr dungeon crawls in the modern world and you're like what does the fuck does that mean but when you actually get the game and you kind of have it in your hand you're kind of like uh playing um independent operators in essentially like this world of darkness setting where there are all kinds of like night creatures and magicians and like uh, strange like mythological beings that are like in a city and they all have kind of like factions and agendas and they need like uh, kind of like unsavory shit done. And so you are uh, you contract with them to do the shit that they don't want to do. Um, and it has this kind of like OSR rules set, but it feels sort of like if you were to take Shadowrun concepts and jam them into the world of darkness. And it's just rad. I mean, it's just a, such a super lit book. I uh, am so happy with the purchase. Um, it's got all these tables. The character creation is very easy and intuitive if you're into OSR stuff. Uh, the system is very kind of like light and OSR-y. Uh, but then it gives you cool like uh, setting mechanics, like dice drops to build your city and like all kinds of cascading tables to populate it with uh, night creatures and forgotten grimoires and like weird underground tunnels full of shoggoths and like liches and shit. I mean, um, it's the kind of game that's like it's like so brilliant that when you look at it, you're just like fuck it's just it was just always just sitting right in front of us it's i i'm really really i'm really really hyped on it well i'm excited too because you've invited me to uh join you on this journey uh so i'm going to uh go ahead and i've been reading through it i'm i i have questions but those will wait for uh, for you know for character creation and stuff like that but uh that sounds yeah i want i want to do like a character creation uh this week upcoming and then i want us to get our first session on friday uh I spent a bunch of time rolling up the city and I've decided we're going to play like Detroit 19 or not 19, uh, 2018. Oh, so, um, uh, I just, I mean, I, so I've seen what's in the city already and I'm just, and I started fleshing it out and there's just all these great tables to create that stuff. And I'm like, Holy fuck. I mean, like, look, it's a, if you go on, uh, I mean, people, if you're listening to this now on the day of release, uh, the March badness sales still going on at exalted funeral, they are carrying esoteric enterprises there for $48 on sale. Um, I mean, it's just like it's an invaluable like tool for people who just want to run urban horror, urban gothic horror, like urban action, because with the dice drops and the cascading tables and stuff, you can just sit there and literally just like roll up um, cities worth of antagonists like really fast. And uh, you're not going to have like a bunch of boring clones and repeats where you're like, oh, should I do a street preacher who's like secretly a vampire hunter and he's you know, kind of like what's his name, who I really liked on the wire. He looks kind of like that. You know, I, did I do that in a previous game already? You know, it's like you're not that that way that like GMs get stuck kind of repeating themselves over and over and over again, doing the same stories and the same kind of hacking tropes over and over again. It'll it'll the, the tables will force you out of that kind of comfort zone and into doing things that are a little bit different. Well, sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley, what are you into <clears throat> right now? Um, well, right after this, actually, I will still be on my laptop because we're going to do our Pathfinder campaign is supposed to meet today. But since everyone's like quarantining, we're going to try a roll 20 
situation. And uh, we're going to do Call of Cthulhu, though. So we're doing a one shot. One of our our barbarian is going to be running a one shot in Call of Cthulhu, which I've never done, but always wanted to play in. So it should be fun. So that's going to be right after we record this, actually. Oh, that's really neat. What edition of uh, Call of Cthulhu are you doing? Do you know? No, she just said, uh, just let me know if you're playing. I'll do a character. I'll do all of this for you. So uh, none of us have played it. And I'm really interested to see how it goes with none of us really knowing the mechanics or <laughs> anything oh, about wow. it um if so, you could could you ask if i mean when you when you play could you ask yeah. if you're doing the chaosium version or if you're doing the pelgrain version because yeah. when next episode i'm gonna have all kinds of questions for you about what your experience was like cool yep i will i'm writing it down right now um yeah i'll ask her so yeah so that's gonna be after this um it's interesting how groups have continued to get together to play uh, with us not being able to actually get together. So that's been fun to see how everyone's coming together for that. But uh, the other one is um, Gallant Night Games came out with, it's called Vatermorder. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It's V-A-T-E-R-M-O-R-D-E-R. And it's like a Tiny Dungeons one-shot like adventure. So um, I've been keeping an eye on that. It's like two bucks for the watermark PDF on drive-thru and it looks really good and it looks, it looks interesting and I love anything tiny D six really. So um, I'm probably going to pick that up just to run at some point with some people for a uh, one evening adventure. Awesome. That sounds fun. AF. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, uh, what uh, era or what time is the call of Cthulhu game? Is it like modern? Is it twenties, 1820s? What, what, what era? Cause usually that's the big thing is like, yeah. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. Oh, so <laughs> like you're we, going in completely we are completely cold. All right. Yes, we're going in complete. It was literally she's going to build the character, she's going to do everything. All she wanted is who's going to be there, and then I will give you the information about half an hour before start. So it's going to be completely going in dark. So I'm oh, interested sick. to nice. see how that plays out. So yeah, should be fun. Great, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exciting. How about you, RBK? We've been up to, but Doug. Um, well, I I actually uh, played a uh, game. Uh, was it about six games of inhuman conditions? So, inhuman conditions. What is that? So, yeah, I've never heard of that. Uh, this is so. There's a scene in Blade Runner where, uh, you know, he, the detective is sitting down across the across the table, and there's a there's a machine on the table, the Voight comp machine, and he's trying oh, to right. determine whether or not she's a robot. Mm. So this is a role-playing game. It's a two-player role-playing game, and each session is five minutes, and uh, you, 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 you ha- there's, like, a bunch of play sets in the box, and you pick, like, three play sets, and you put out all these play set packages, and basically... Uh, you're de- trying to determine whether the you're, if you're the investigator, the other person is. You're trying to determine whether the other person is a robot or not. Um, there's a possibility that it's a hostile robot, and if they get away with so many of their behaviors and you not calling them on it, they kill you. So, um, I played this with the uh, lovely Mrs. Buzzkill. Yeah, uh, nice. So it was uh we. We, we played three where I was the investigator and we played three where she was the investigator. And um, I had a lot of fun uh, playing, like really leaning into a character for five minutes. Just like, mm-hmm. okay, I've, it, it's sort of a bit like that, those improv games where you're, you're, um, uh, you know, here, here's, here's who you are. Here's your, uh, 
you know, because I was like the second richest person in the world was my like that was my prompt. And then I had to make a character up around that. And uh, um, or I was a veteran of the robot wars or, you know, and then it sounds kind of like Ghost Court a little bit, a little ghost, Mm. ghost like two player Ghost Court, a little bit like that, um, except uh, the in in this like there's a there's kind of a prompt that you get that uh, like one of the prompts was every time you lo- uh, you lie uh, you have to raise your hands off the table like that's the 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 robot the person be but it was mm-hmm. so that's the robot has to like follow these instructions so, so is it like a, you have to try and do it and the other person not see you like kind of make yeah, it a natural like right. as you're talking oh yeah, yes or uh that's cool you have to like use the same like there you get like multiple cho- multiple choice and then you get to choose what that is as the as the person but mm-hmm. as the robot or human yeah. um and then you're trying to, and then the investigator is is got like a series of questions, like leading questions. You're trying to get them to give you kind of like a, a story or a, not a story, but necessarily like answers to these questions. And then you get, you're supposed to ping off of that answer to the next question. And mm-hmm. you're trying, it, I had a lot of fun. She had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was the, kind of the perfect uh, um quarantine game i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they so, they put out a way to play it over a computer now so you can there's like a pdf um, there's like reactive pdfs or some crazy nonsense i i haven't played with that yet but it okay uh, what's it called again inhuman condition you said inhuman condition yeah okay and it's available online where because that's when i'm like i just when i was like yeah i'm gonna start dating it's like no you can't leave your house so <laughs> if i can do this type of thing and it's available online then i can you know still do stuff but uh, um i'll get you some links because awesome. Thank I, you. I don't it's not readily apparent that it's like something you can just buy off like drive through. so gotcha okay cool yeah no that that sounds really cool i like that i, I heard that you were in uh adam's uh dark sun game I am in Adam's Dark Sun game. So how, how did you guys had a session of that, right? Well, we had a, a like it was supposed to be session zero, and we did it on we we kind of you know we tried to do it on Discord, and I, some people had some uh, technical issues with you know like what we had for before we started recording with people. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt every time you sit down to do one of those. Like yeah. every time, without fail. It doesn't matter if like last time you thought you got it all worked out, you do all the same shit, you're still going to have a problem every time. Right. Well, we're dealing <laughs> with people that have never done this. So mm. like not just and this had I mean, Willie B's in there with us. Uh, Adam oh, yeah. Willie B, myself, my friend of mine David. We had we were supposed to have a few other people that kind of like were super hyped and then didn't show up. So, ah, uh, yeah, um, classic. I see how they be. Yeah, classic stuff. Um, but I'm I'm really excited about playing Dark Sun. Super excited about Dark Sun. But yeah, Dark Sun is great. I'm interested in hearing how this goes. So, I mean, did you guys play it all, or did you just do character creation, or what? Uh, we did. We just kind of talked about it because of people like dropping in and out and the kind of issues. Uh, oh, okay. I, I've made my character. Uh, so uh, what are you playing? She, uh, she is a uh, uh, wild battle mind. Uh, so we're playing is that like th- a psionic character. Yes, yeah, sci- psionic, uh, basically psionic uh, cleric. Essentially, what it would be if you mm. broke it down. I mean, there is no gods in in Dark Sun, right? But 
it's like you have powers, but you're also somewhat combat oriented. So you're not like a scion. You're a kind of like that in between kind of character. Well, that's very interesting. I'll be interested in hearing how that kind of plays out as as that develops. This is kind of an interesting era for doing kind of like quarantine gaming, as we've said. And, uh, you know, at first it was like, oh, bummer, man. We can't meet up and we can't like see our friends. And that was like, but like role playing can be done over the phone, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it hasn't been so bad. Uh, it's I, I feel like. I feel kind of weirdly like I've been able to get like more gaming, you know, because you don't have to like schedule around like, oh, I got to drive. I got to pull my shit in a box. I got to be dressed appropriately. It's like you can just like be like, oh, no, I'm going to like fucking walk in the other room and I'm going to play a fucking uh, a role playing game. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, it's almost like made uh, by, by taking on the headache of the discord shit or the, you know, Google Hangouts shit. Uh, a bunch of other headaches have gone away. It's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and the the headache for the the Dark Sun game will be fourth edition D anD D. So yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. But, it's kind of like this Faustian bargain that you made. It's like yep. some evil genie was like, "Hey, RBK, you want to play a Dark Sun?" And you're like, "Yes." And it's like your wish is granted. Fourth edition. Fuck like, no. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh fourth edition. I oh. mean, second okay. edition would be you know even more brutal, and I would be way into that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean that'd be like the classic Dark Sun experience. You know, yeah. that'd be like the that'd be like the 1992 experience. You know, sure. you'd be like, oh, fucking Dark Sun, bro. But that that's okay. I, I agree that I'm getting I'm actually getting way more games games in. Like not necessarily all role playing games. I've been playing a lot of. Uh, uh, tabletop simulator which i actually think would be- oh you lucky duck which you see we- my fucking tabletop gaming has died on the vine because i can't i can't even get that well, so what it, is that is it not on mac i don't think so because it's on steam right it so i think steam. the only place you can i think steam only does pc stuff no i think you can get mac i'm uh, oh well let's go on there and check it out but tabletop simulator is a physics-based tabletop simulation game uh uh, engine so Mm -hmm. there are just oodles and oodles of workshop game people have basically made versions of all the table all the box games you can think of i can you can get like entire armies for 40k or any other miniatures game like pre-painted you know just they're they're 3d models and you put you can put terrain out on this on there and move your miniatures around or uh, we were playing uh, Scythe on there, so you can basically you have the mats, and some of the stuff is is automated, and some of the stuff is not automated, uh, and you're just like moving things around. Like I'm gonna pick this card up, so I move my mouse over and I pick the card up, and then <laughs> it it's it's a little fiddly. I will yeah. I will give it that, but we've been playing. Uh, like Scythe, and uh, there was there was one that was basically like a cooperative game against all the classic Universal monsters. So we're, oh, uh, I can't. That remember, sounds awesome. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's it's another mm-hmm. board game. But you could totally use this to play D anD D or any other. Uh, well, a tabletop art- simulator, but there's already so many like platforms you could play D anD I mean, I don't think you really need it for D anD D. But it, what what works is that like there's like a lot of uh, miniatures battle games that are on there that right. you just like you literally can't do unless you have a shared platform for 
for like where the models are in the physical space in between you. Mm-hmm. So um, like, I mean, I know this is not a miniatures podcast, but like I've been doing a lot of time building miniatures because like I can't play at all. So I'm trying, kind of trying to get my armies together for quote unquote when this is all over, you know? <laughs> No, I get, I get you. Like that's, uh, that's totally, that's the one thing that's really bummer about the the one kind of game you can't really play is the mm-hmm. <laughs> the most time consuming hobby game, you know. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, so expensive. it's so expensive that it's kind of cool that uh, if they have a uh, like a computer version with all of the miniatures and everything that it's all ready to go. That's that's kind of nice even for after this is all over. Yeah. Oh. There's uh, some like really competitive communities that just play on tabletop simulator to like hone their skills for tournaments and stuff. Uh-huh. But um, I, I, I honest to God, I don't know how this isn't in violation of some kind of like trademark oh, copyright oh, it, thing. It totally mm-hmm. is. It totally I've, is. I've, just been, I've just been waiting for this thing to go away but like uh you know it keeps sticking around Dude, like the star wars legion community is actually really big on tabletop simulator and i'm just like how can disney which is like notoriously litigious oh yeah like like just be like oh hey totes cool just play a free video game of all of our shit i'm like that does not sound right <laughs> it, at all it, it is interesting you say that because from what i was told is basically the industry most of the industry is blissfully unaware or uh is ignoring it completely because this is a uh, I've checked up on this or not, but I was told that basically somebody was having trouble with a fantasy flight game on a uh, tabletop simulator. And they, they asked fantasy flight why this was buggy. And they're like, wait, what all our games are on there already. Oh no, you, you get all the cease and desist letters, but oh, then, no. but you were just saying that star Wars Legion was already do it was, is still on there. So yeah, I'm not certain, but yes, Tabletop Simulator yeah, is on Mac OS X, so... Oh, shit, son. So, I better get that. I better get that and, like, somehow see all my productivity just, like, go down the toilet. Well, <laughs> I mean, there, there was, you know, productivity and ennui or, you know, diametric opposites, so... Mm. <laughs> Fair. Um, Fair. But the, the, the thing that I would love to see is uh, Star Breach on there. If I don't know if anybody's done Star Breach on there <laughs> or not, but I, I would like to play this game finally. And uh, <laughs> Oh, I know, right? Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, did you get your book? It came out. Uh, I, mean, it should be. I have not gotten my book yet, no. Oh, well, they're, they're in the mail. You should be getting cool. it anytime. Right. Awesome, because I back that too. So. Oh, oh, great. Wonderful, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this is all over, quote unquote. We can all play Star Breach. Yeah. Yay. I know Adam awesome. got his, so. Yeah, yeah. And it was broken, cool. but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to talk to Chris to get that squared away. <laughs> Any whoosies. Yeah. The other thing that's pretty cool about gaming, and I, I mean fingers crossed or whatever but mamry alpha is supposed to start recording again next weekend oh wow Fucking great mad. yeah i'm so hear. excited it's yeah, been I'm a really long time yeah no doubt yeah it's like you've yeah. done like one this year right no <laughs> we oh. haven't done any we haven't <laughs> recorded since like uh, september october like it's been <laughs> It's been a long fucking break so i'm really excited yeah. to get back with my girls and start recording again oh good yeah well awesome uh i think it's time for the exalted funeral plug Ooh, yeah. Why don't you plug Exalted Funeral, RBK? Full Metal RPG continues to be supported by Exalted Funeral. March 31st is the last day of March badness. Sale going on at ExaltedFuneral.com. Well, and Brendan just was telling us about how he just picked up Esoteric Enterprises uh, there for 20% off, not nothing. Uh, Check them out today and let them know that we sent you. 
Also check out the bonus episode 34 with Matt Kelly and learn all about the great shop from the horse's mouth. Exaltedfuel.com. <laughs> they, should they should use that in your in their advertising. They should do that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll pass that on. I should. Creative I, Commons I, I, licensed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Brendan, do you want to talk about Yo. the show to- topic or? Uh... All right, so we got a show topic today, and that is uh, long running campaigns. And uh, it's interesting because I think this was a uh, Adam Sink uh, uh, topic when we were doing our topic brainstorm, and yet Adam Sink is not available to hear his hot takes. We are That's right, Adam. That's right, called out. Called out on the air. So here we are. We're talking about long-running campaigns, maintaining tight narratives versus organic growth. So um, I think, you know, a lot of people who listen to the show are either GMs or game creators, and I would hope that everybody, at the very least, gets to play, if nothing else. Um, But there's a question of, like, have you ever played in a long-running campaign? Um, This is kind of like an ambiguous idea because what one person's idea of as being long is very different from another. Uh, On The Gauntlet, you can listen to those guys talk about how they were in this really long campaign that was 10 sessions. Um, whereas I tend to measure a story arc in about 10 sessions. And then I like a campaign to me, a long running campaign is one that goes for a minimum of a year. Like if it's less than a year, then that's not a long campaign. That's just some fuck around shit. Um, so when you're talking about these long running campaigns, however, um, there's a number of different ways to kind of look at them. And so a question that might come up is, did it have like a very, very tight structured narrative? Or did it kind of focus on emergent storylines that were generated by the actions of the players within the uh, fictional construct? Um, And then everybody's going to have their own kind of feelings of like which one they prefer. And then usually people think what they prefer they think is also intrinsically better. And then kind of interestingly, out of the OSR community, uh, there's been this question raised as to what is authentic role playing? Because OSR games in particular favor a certain style of role playing and they consider theirs to be authentic and um, the opposite of theirs to be inauthentic. So I just wanted to kind of talk to the brain trust today about our feelings on these, on these concepts. Um, I myself am no stranger to long running campaigns. Uh, When I was kind of coming up in the role playing game world, uh, the long running campaign was considered to be the default. Um, Mm -hmm. That was just, it was almost like this kind of notion, like if you weren't prepared to put, you're back into it and dedicate like a few years of your life, or at least until everybody got sick of everybody else and then just fucking rage quit. <laughs> then, um, what were you really doing? You know, um, what even is the point? Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, I actually gets it. Um, it's yeah. just like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, there were kind of like times when somebody would be like, well, I'm going to run this one module and everybody would kind of be like, what? Like a module. Sometimes I felt like the way that, I mean, I, for a long time as a role player and as a role playing consumer, I would walk into the store and I would see modules on the shelf and I would think, oh, well, the point of this module is to sort of like kind of pepper it into my long running campaign. Right. And so, you know, you'd pick up the module, you look at it, you kind of get a sense of like where it took place and what kind of characters it want, it, it required. And then you think, oh, well, does this fit into the game that I'm currently like running, you know? Um, and that was kind of like a litmus test for whether you were interested in that module. Uh, but now we're kind of in this era where 
game, you know, people are like talking about con games. There's a lot of people who like the majority of the games they run are con games. There's this kind of idea that a three shot is basically all you really need to know about a game that like anything that can't be done in three sessions is kind of like masturbatory. Uh, what do you guys think? Where are you guys coming from? See, I was thinking about this as the definition of what a long-running campaign would be. I was talking to someone about this yesterday, actually, and uh, he was like, what would you even consider a long-running campaign? Like, is it if you can get together five times <laughs> and everyone's there or what? And to me, I like a year is what pops into my head. Like, I think that that's going to be a long-running campaign, one where you can really like lean into your character and really get into them and all of that. But um, it, it seems like it's rare, you know, like you were saying, either they rage quit or whatever. But I also have never been in a campaign where it's like a homebrew type situation where the adventure paths can kind of fit into what's already going on. Because every long campaign I've been in has been an adventure path. Like you just go from module to module. Right. Know? I mean, that's kind of like um, what we were talking about on the Pathfinder episode a couple back is that mm -hmm. uh, path, the Pathfinder guys kind of like like put their 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 standard in the ground on the idea of the long running campaign mm -hmm. and that um but then they kind of cleave to this very much more tightly structured concept of what a campaign is going to be you know it's like there's going to be x number of books and those are going to mm -hmm. get you across x number of levels yeah and then um what happens in between books on some of the some uh adventure paths is kind of up to you maybe between sessions or, or between scenes but sometimes those books almost kind of emphasize a very like quick passage of time where it's like you don't even really have an opportunity to put um, like uh, your own material in between two chapters of the book because one is supposed to come like temporally yeah. immediately after the next. Um, what are your what are your thoughts, Richard? Well, I, I think I mean, I think what's happened to role playing uh, campaign sessions is kind of what happened to TV. So like TV used to be like a, a episode a season of Star Trek the Next Generation was like 24 episodes. Yeah. That is like literally like 3 seasons now. Yeah. So yeah. and they had a lot of time to like to, it, it when when we were in high school we had a lot of time or you know we had a lot of time to like sit and really ruminate on things we could like hang out on a Saturday night to late and late and like play and then every saturday and maybe sometimes friday and then in the saturday but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like now i got no time for that shit yeah <laughs> like, i mean like i want i would love to and heck i was even scheduling a vacation so we could play basically our, a little a group of friends as a con as like start at like nine ten in the morning and go till one in the night at night and just have wow. like, four, like four games Damn. three four games a day for old like, school style old school mm -hmm. style like i mean obviously we'd get food you know every four hours or something like that but uh that i, I really you know that's what i i want that but i also have to work i have a wife you know i happen to have a wife i happen to have uh you know uh, conventions that now are pushed back to Labor Day. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm busy, so I think you know it's just like TV. We've had to kind of tighten the narratives up. 
like and get, See, I mean, to, I, get to the get to that gristle you know i think i think mm-hmm. it's interesting that you bring up star trek next generation as a as a as a point of <laughs> reference because if you compare sctng to say picard right which is on right now like mm-hmm. the picard storyline is a like much narrower in term, terms of episodes you're not going to get 24 45 minute episodes in a season mm-hmm. and simultaneously like it doesn't have that kind of wandering all over the place sort of feel that old Star Trek did where there were there were literally like throwaway episodes in the old yeah. in old Star Trek seasons where you would like just you sit down, you'd watch the new episode, and you'd be like, fuck, man, that was terrible. Like, I hope next week is better, you know, right. whereas now they, they have to have like a laser like focus so that they can get like Picard from A to B to C to D so that like by episode 12 or whatever, when it's over, like you know, they, they put a little bow on, on at least what they were dealing with in season one, you know? Well, I, think I know you the, guys have experienced that, actually. Yeah, I was going to say with, um, first I'll talk about the Star Trek parallel before I get into Mamre Alpha, which is, I think, what naturally leads into that. So, um, so when you were talking about having uh, the story arcs like 10 sessions to you is a story arc in the new trek it seems like they're more about the arcs than they are just individual episodes so when you're looking at next gen things like that they didn't really start doing that yet a lot of it was just a weekly thing if you missed a week you wouldn't be lost whereas now if you missed a week of picard you're gonna have no idea what the fuck is going on so um games so yeah uh with Mamre Alpha, uh, that's one that we've been going for two and a half years now. And uh, there are several arcs within each season. So when we're talking long-running campaign, I mean, I guess I would consider this one campaign or maybe each one would be an individual campaign. I don't know. But usually it's like six to ten sessions is going to cover an arc. So when it comes to um, organic growth versus the tight narratives, uh, Susie she can't rein us in to do a tight narrative. Like she has an overall idea, but when you're getting into that many sessions of something, um, it's, it's hard to keep it on the rails, so to speak, you know? Well, I mean, that actually really serves one of my um, talking points that I wanted to have, which is like, is role playing by it's like very nature uh, ruled by emergent plot lines, which is to say that like, no matter what kind of planning a GM does or tries to do, uh, you're going to end up getting uh, the players are like, oh, well, we're really interested in this particular NPC or we're interested in this particular like like sometimes that will happen at this table, right, where the GM will just say something like like, oh, the Jawas have been like really forming an alliance against the Huts or something. Right. And they just say mm-hmm. that because they say it. Right. But then the players start fixating on that particular like concept as being like something that's like really going on in the plot. And then because they continue to explore it, the GM has to continue fleshing it out mm-hmm. uh, or, or else reveal that that was just some BS that they just threw out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, is there, is, is there like really a point in trying to, to curtail um, these sort of emergent narratives uh, or is that just kind of what we're doing anyway? And we always will be. I think that that's the sign of a good GM is someone who can kind of think on their feet. And I think the players will have more fun that way, because um, if you come, if you want to do an audio drama, do an audio drama. You know what I mean? Like if you have this just stick to it storyline that you just want people to play into your specific storyline, just railroading, that makes it not as fun as players, I don't think. But um there's a second point to that. I don't remember what it was. So go ahead, Richard. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Richard, I was, what are your thoughts? I mean, <laughs> I was playing, 
I was playing, uh, actually, it was a Pathfinder game. We were playing Rise of the Rune Lords. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot, I mean, it was a long game. We played for a long time. And I, I think we played for three years. I can't remember it. It, but it was like one of these like we might play once or twice a month. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I always had more fun on the sessions where we were like, because what the game master would do is he would like he would try and he'd run one of the the modules or one of the books, and we would get you know we then get our into our own storylines like wh- who's this person what's that you know what was this person up to what is their goals in like the after the modules so between the modules we would be basically playing our own characters and i always had way more fun in those sessions because you know they were looser but also because we were we had our own motivations and I think in a long running campaign, if people have a lot of motivation to go after the whatever that goal is, I think that can be really uh, that can make those tight storylines we're looking for. If if we have it, if the care if the players don't have that motivation, or the game master isn't good at like helping them get that motivation, then you just kind of end up with these very these very long stretched out games that like you're right there's a bunch of if you wanted to watch the story arc of tng you could probably watch it in about 10 hours like (laughs) well i mean there isn't really a story arc in tng right like i mean i don't think that i don't think that you could even do a 10 hour story arc in tng if you wanted to to sum the tng story arc into into like a super cut on fucking youtube i think it'd be maybe 15 minutes long which is like Picard is a grump, and but then he meets some friends, and they make him not a grump, and then he becomes a <laughs> Borg, and then like Data has to argue with himself as to what's better, being synthetic or real, and Picard also has to deal with that because he was part of the Borg, and then they go do some shitty movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then all the rest of that stuff was like just stuff that happened, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be really interesting to see how long that actually is because I always felt yep. I, I always liked the B plot more than the A plot because the B plot was at least a, mostly about one of the characters in some way like mm-hmm. if, if you took every one of the characters they all had b plots that were you know stretched out over time and that was now the b plot is the a plot like we have we have flipped that and now that that the you know there there's almost no the you know a plot of like oh we've visited a thing and we're doing you know mm-hmm. we're all working well, together to do a thing so well riddle me this does the context of the a plot as you put it give the the structure necessary to relish the b plot like if you were trying to play a pathfinder uh, uh uh adventure path and uh you were enjoying like all the downtime stuff where your character is interacting with your favorite npcs and your favorite locations like isn't that given its zest by the fact that like the artifice of the story exists around it to give it that kind of like that 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 feeling of variety or would you just play the game and have it be more interesting if it was all just you know pursuing your own agendas like sandbox style really in a in a, in a way that's kind of similar to how I used to run VTM where it was like Oh, okay. You're this gangrel guy, and you own a bar, and you're this fucking venture guy, and you're a manipulator, and you're this Giovanni guy, and you want to fucking make some zombies. Uh, it's day one in the city. What do you do? And then people build the fucking story themselves by acting. Well, hmm. I, I think it's best, and uh, in my opinion, it's best if the a if you're doing an A B plot style game, like a long term game, it's 
it the a plot is best when it intersects something about the b plot or drives something about the b plot like the whole data being a real uh, uh you know having emotions or not like whether what it is to be human that when that like fed from the a plot into the b the a and b plots combined in some way that was awesome ashley yeah, I think if they can work together, it's like you're not having this separate montage that has nothing to do with the main storyline that you're pushing forward for sure. So, um, but I, I do like that idea of, uh, so, okay, so in your example about the A and the B plot, um, are you talking about like the A plot is the overarching, this is what the campaign is about altogether, and then the B plot would be um adventure paths that are thrown in or the b plots no it'd be reversed it'd be like the a gotcha, plot gotcha, is okay. like oh you're playing council of thieves and we we open up yeah. book one page one right and then mm-hmm. the b plot is kind of like okay we finished book one and now you guys have three months of hanging out in oh, fucking sure, sure. west crown stealing shit and getting doing things and whatever you know yeah that makes sense okay yeah i I like that and i think that it also it's a good balance of you know driving forth this narrative but also giving the players time to kind of play in their characters because again i am heavy into rp in my games because i really i'm a drama kid i like the acting i like the really getting into character and all of that so um giving those little sandboxes you put it kind of sessions where they can just be their characters and hang out and run around i think is important for bonding with your character if that makes sense and doesn't sound really really weird no it doesn't sound weird to me at all and to be totally honest i think that probably a healthy mix is the best way to do it that's my personal opinion after the years and years of doing it that i've had and the the number of games i mean not the number i want to make it sound like this is some expert thing this is what works best for me is is a healthy mix because uh, I've done it both ways. I've done the like completely freeform games where I'm like, okay, uh, fucking, you got your shit. Like, go out into the world, and make a make a plot happen, and people mm-hmm. will literally just stand there looking at you, like that. They, they look at their character sheets, and then they look at you, and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I've I've also run games that were more kind of supposed to be like plays in a certain way, where it's like mm-hmm. I wrote up all this fucking super explicit like description, and I had like all kinds of um. Like, like the storyline itself was like very, very, very structured and the characters were kind of like walking through it and participating, playing out their roles in it. Mm-hmm. But it was like it was really like someone else's story that they are in. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. And, uh, I, you know, so I've been burned by both of them because because mm-hmm. you, you, you bust your ass and you like try and make this you try and make this like little movie in their heads. And sometimes that's just not fun. It's a mm-hmm. lot of work for you and it ends up feeling very cold. And then if you just like make a sandboxy hex crawl and they don't want to do a sandboxy hex crawl, then, you know, you're kind of yeah. fucked. Um, I, I really do like I really do like both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a time and a place for each. It's kind of like the uh, I can't remember when you were talking with uh, Ravenous and the holding something holding environment yes like where it kind of leads them into knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing because if you leave it too open, then it's just going to be sitting there not knowing what they're going to be doing. So. Yeah, I mean, and stuff like that. When you're when you're writing a sandbox game, and but yet you don't want to. Um, I mean, there's these. I feel like they're kind of tropey ways to get around, like the sort of pitfalls of that yeah. kind of game. You know, the whole this, this is where the whole like, oh, you've all been summoned to a bar, and the <laughs> wizard has a job for you. Yeah, and this is where this all comes from. It's like that kind of story starters, that early kindling yeah. to get people kind of launched. But mm-hmm. um, that shit's all just become like super, like so super tropey. 
Like another well, there's way a reason of... it's a trope. There's a reason it's a trope is because people use it so much because it works. <laughs> well, I mean, know? yeah, but then at the end of the day, it's like the fucking five millionth time you like walk yeah. into a bar and there's like some like fucking, you know, not Gandalf guy sitting at a table <laughs> and he's like, oh, I've heard a rumor in the East. Or you're like, OK, yeah. whatever. You know, yeah. I don't give a fuck about this anymore. Yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've done this once or twice. <laughs> um like, uh, can, do do you guys have any like experiences that you've had where you're like, where you where you looked at a game and you were like, what the fuck? I wish I had, I wish I could have done it in a way other than I did it to in order to support support like uh, uh, either either a, a game that had more controls placed on it or more emergent plot lines. I think, uh, I mean, I ran a uh, Apocalypse World game a few years ago, mm. and. I they probably would have benefited if I had got given some more uh, more fronts, which I would call the a plots in Apocalypse World. Interesting. Um, you don't think Apocalypse World is by its very nature kind of sandboxy? Oh, it is very sandboxy. But the the plots that you're you know, I like that the I I like it for the way it is, like the the sandboxy nature of it, and having the uh, the the B plots uh, be the forefront because it it's supposed to be kind of the soap opera, af- a post apocalyptic soap opera kind of thing going on. Like mm-hmm. the, uh, Mad Max is a, a male soap opera. Uh, come at me, bro. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you, I, you, I always felt that way about. That's- Go ahead. Sorry. I always felt that way about wrestling. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Wrestling. Oh, is oh totally that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But also like X Men. Look at X Men. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. X Men is a soap opera. It's like I mean, it's a it's it's a it's a comic book where like nothing really ever changes. <laughs> right. You keep coming back to life. It's, it's it's the same shit. Yeah. Get your evil twin on. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the the thing I should have been doing, and I, I realized it later, was I should have had some more fronts kind of placed in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. So that either the players ne- maybe didn't have to necessarily uh, uh, coalesce around that. It was just having more threats in the environment that were plots that I had laid in there. And I, I it, it, that would have let it go on for a little bit longer, I think. And that would that I think would have come. There was some characters that got really great b plot story arcs and some some really great stuff and some players didn't necessarily get as much as i would have liked i mean they all said they enjoyed it and i think that's the most important part but i think i could have done more to make it more basically Mm. so kind of put like little bits of purpose in the sandbox so that they're kind of getting something out of it instead of just playtime. well and there was stuff like that like there was uh you know, warlords and drug traders and, 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 uh, you know, the people, you know, different gangs and they're, you know, they're fighting against each other. They have nothing to do or they have something to do with the player characters. But it was, it was that like, I could have used another existential dread somewhere in Mm -hmm. there to make them like have to look over their shoulder a little bit more. And that Mm -hmm. was kind of, I think that was kind of my like, Thinking back on it, that would be the thing I really would have wanted about it mm-hmm. more. But otherwise, that's interesting. It was, that's fascinating. It was, it was it was a great game. I mean, I still have the map in my closet somewhere. So, mm-hmm. um, how many? If you don't mind my asking, how many fronts did you have going in that in that game? Uh, I had like I had like 
three, I think. Okay. Yeah. And and so if if just for the sake of our listeners, if they're if they're running Apocalypse World or if they're thinking about running Apocalypse World, how many do you think uh, would like give you the amount of grit that you were kind of like in retrospect looking for? For for a longer game, I think I would want a front, like I would call it number of players minus one fronts. Mm, that's interesting. Elaborate on that. What's where? What can? Where does that formula come from? Uh, well, of course, I made it up on the spot, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but you must have have some reasoning for it. You must. But, there must be some reasoning behind it. Well, walk us through that. So my reasoning is, if I've got each one of the players in Apocalypse World that should be connected or at least have a connection to one of the fronts, okay? Okay. But I generally am of the opinion that. Whether or not somebody is on either side of a front, there should be at least two players connected to a front Mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, so we at least have those scenes between them, but also with this front. So if you if you had like a a front for every person around the table, then it's kind of their own small little story. Yeah, like it's it's their own little alley that we're going to we're going to check in on their own little alley. Where mm-hmm. what I would want more of, and I, I definitely dragged everybody into a couple of these fronts just by adding a little bit of spice here and there, was if they're connected in some way, they'll automatically drive towards those fronts. And then you get those scenes between characters and that soap opera action happens. And, mm. and, and that's why I said uh, I would have liked, you know, just about one front less than the number of people because then they're... It's like drawing, there's another game called Drama System, and you basically draw a diagram between all the uh, player characters, and you put the the conflict between those player characters in the middle of those lines you've drawn. That's kind of what I was thinking, is it it, it ends up being a diagram that's somewhere around Mm -hmm. players minus one fronts. So it's like the character connections during PBTA games, that type of thing. Yeah, it basically, and, mm. I would I would say the thing about character the character connect connections is if I was going to do that again, I would try and uh, place a front in the middle of that connection somehow. Mm-hmm. Something okay. about that connection has caused a front, and if I could do that, I think. That is like there's a there's a sweet balance about the long game. I mean, hell, this is the this is the problem I have with most uh, people that play PB, PBTA that talk about it on the internet. Is mm-hmm. Vincent Baker says it doesn't get good till at least six games in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe him. And there there's 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 a bunch of buildup that has to happen, and mm-hmm. and almost no one plays that long anymore. And there's a lot of game, a lot of games that are designed to be played less time than that because they're, you know, they're they've built their spiral, spiraling down into death or whatever regeneration yeah. much quicker than that. But I think especially for Apocalypse World, like you got to play more sessions, like I, and you got to want to <laughs> yeah. play more sessions. Like I mean, I I I will say that there's this kind of like as we're kind of drawing to the end here, there's almost like this kind of bittersweet note, which is that we live in this kind of golden age of role playing right now, where there's like you know role playing has never had more options or never been more visible. There's more opportunities to role play more different games than there ever have been in the history of of the hobby or the you know quote unquote art form, if that's how you want to look at it. But at the same time, because of this like immense kind of like bounty. 
the long-form campaign as a construct has really kind of fallen by the wayside. And I personally, for one, really love the long-running campaign. It's like, to mm-hmm. me, that's the that's that's what I do when I sit down to role-play. Like I, you know, I mean, I'll do one-offs and shit for, like, con games. But um, when I when I when I'm looking on Kickstarter, for instance, and there's like, oh, here's some new game. You want to play it? You want to buy it? And it'll say right on there like, oh, it's designed for one session, exclamation point, or designed for three sessions, max, exclamation point. Like this is a big feature, not a bug. I'm just like, oh, man, that's a poverty. That's a poverty. Anyway, Ashley, you have any thoughts as we're kind of like uh, um, like a. winding yeah. down here yeah um there was a at a convention i was running tiny frontiers and um it's a convention game so it's always gonna be a little bit different than running for friends or anything like that but um it's just so interesting because with one group i just had a very loose this is kind of what i wanted to do like a very loose outline and they were fine and everything went fine and um i was still able to get to the point by like you know, leading them down certain tunnels and the tunnels connected at the end, but I didn't know that. So they were going to get to the same place regardless, but it had the illusion of choice. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. there was another group that there were these people that just no one else was into it. And if you have a group of people who are all into the let's just do something wacky, which goes into the like soap opera mess of just sometimes it's too loose and people just go crazy with it. Um, but there were only two people at the table who wanted to do that. And everyone else was kind of like, no, I just want to play this adventure. And they were like, uh, let's invite these people that we just met for dinner kind of thing. Like, I want to have a dinner with this alien race. And so it's like the only time that I've ever said no, because the rules of improv are yes. And so when someone says something, you go, okay, and you go with it. But at some point as the GM, you kind of have to just stop it and be like, yeah, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? So try Mm -hmm. and find a way to do that. But it's, I don't know. It's difficult to balancing act and it depends on your table too, you know? So granted those were one shots, not long-term campaigns, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it probably would have been different if you were, I mean, it's always different if you, depending on like how the table is kind of configured. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. But I think that it is a, there's a sweet spot that kind of blends the two. I really, I had never actually thought of the, uh, have the AB plot line kind of thing. And I, I really mm-hmm. like that. So going forward and long-term campaigns and things like that, I I think that's a really good way to do that. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, not, you know, since Richard brings that up, I think it's like not a bad way to help organize your thoughts yeah. as a GM, you know? Yeah, that, that's that that's the kind of, I don't know, I, I, I listen to podcasts with writers and I'm like, yeah, that no, that's just exactly how you, okay, here's your module, Here's your B plot, like, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, you're you're trying to find your lost brother, like, okay, let's let's talk about your lost brother. Oh wait, your lost brother is the bad guy. Wee. So. <laughs> All righty, right on. Well, um, Richard. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Full Moon RPG. We'd like to thank uh, Aaron and all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash fullmetalrpg. And uh, please consider joining our ranks. Uh, If you have thoughts about this episode or any other episode you've listened to or any thoughts uh, about role-playing whatsoever, send them to fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. Or uh, join our hop in Discord. Like Discord, uh, you can connect to us. Maybe even like there was some people like in, he was a guy in Florida who's, uh, listening in on our character creation session for uh, uh, for Dark Sun. So uh, nice. Uh, tinyurl.com slash Full Metal Discord. 
Uh, we're actually as a as a podcast, we're on there quite a bit now to just yeah. hang out, like just to connect with one another. So if you want to come on, join, jump on a, a voice a voice channel with us, just hang out. It'd be super great to have you. And since you put it like that, uh, Richie, I, I will probably open up my um, my Esoteric Enterprises voice channel so people can listen in on the uh, character creation for that too. That will be, I'm hoping, Wednesday. Hmm. Well, right after this, hopefully, goes out. Anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might post that up on uh, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Full Metal RPG. Uh, follow mm-hmm. us on there. So uh, that that's an episode, everybody. Yeah, that was super fun. Hey, uh, thanks for you guys taking the time out of your day to uh, come and do this, uh, and Ashley for sitting in a closet, and Richard for <laughs> uh, turning off your fan, and uh, I'm going to get the fuck out of this yurt. Yeah. Right. Awesome. All right, you guys have a great night. <laughs>